0: Hello, everyone. This is Tommy at World at War Comics. We have another great episode for you today. Today, we are interviewing Aaron Sparrow. But before we get into that, if you could hit that subscribe button and make sure you hit that notify ring, that way you get all the information that you need whenever an interview drops. Um, and also remember, this podcast is sponsored by CN Chilies, the best hot sauce that you could buy. Go to at that's C-I-E-N-C-H-I-L-E-S.com. Use comics at checkout to save 15%. All right, without further ado, today we have Aaron Sparrow on. Aaron Sparrow has been in the industry for a very long time, working for several different publishers as an editor, editor editor-in-chief, and he is the current writer on Death Rage for Merck Publishing and Miss Meow. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Aaron. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the World at War Comics podcast today. Special guest, Mr. Aaron Sparrow. Aaron, thanks for joining us today, man. It's great to have you on. It's great to be on, although I'm going to be distracted.
1: I'm going to be like looking behind you to like see all the figures on your shelf and go,
0: what is that? Do I have that one? Exactly. Yeah, I have a a small, probably unhealthy obsession with McFarland toys. Um, I also collect a Marvel Select from diamond and or actually they're over here now and some marvel legend but the marvel legends fall constantly every morning i come into my office and i gotta pick up three or four but i love how diverse characters they have i, I get some really cool characters and marvel legends whereas the marvel select maybe they don't have the licensing for everything but uh anyways they're yeah. doing
1: select is nice because uh we are now they're a little too big for me and sometimes they're um Sometimes the sculpting on like the faces I don't like, or, you know, there's certain things about diamonds, uh, diamonds output. Sometimes they really nail it. And sometimes I feel like they're a little bit lacking. Um, I I hate their packaging. You know, the the select packaging, is just this big beast that's been around since the early 2000s. And I really feel like they need to, yeah, they they just need to shift away from that and do something more (laughs) compact. Um, But uh, they're doing some great ones. Like they just announced the Crimson Dynamo. And yeah, I'm fine that's... if he's. I'm fine if he's a little bit bigger. You know, than yeah. with, uh, with my Marvel Legends. So yeah. you know, when the, when they do big guys, like you know, they do an Abomination, they do a Juggernaut, they do yeah. uh, you know, Titanium Man. I, I really think Select nails it. McFarlane does some really great stuff. Um, again, scale is is too large. Like I wish I wish Todd would stick to like a six inch scale. Um, just I don't think because that's uh, in his.
0: Uh... Like he no, he's always, giver, his, right?
1: he's always got to go his own way, but his yeah. sales would be, you know, as a retailer, I can say his sales would be better if they yeah. were compatible with like the industry leader. But yeah, the, the legends are great because we're getting such deep cuts. It's like the handbook of the Marvel Universe. You're like, I never thought I'd have this guy.
0: <laughs> exactly. No, that, that's what I love, walking into a Target or a Walmart and finding an obscure character that I forgot about. You're like, that is so awesome that there's a Marvel legend of that character. I still can't believe I got to build a controller, you know, like what, how cool is that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, Aaron, I I thought, you know, I think a lot of us know who you are, man. You've been in the industry for a bit, but I thought maybe we kind of go back. I don't know this part of the story. Um, How did you get into comics? I assume you've been a comic fan since very young. Yeah. So um, when I was a kid, Uh I was always drawn. I was always drawn comics.
1: And uh, it's really kind of kind of embarrassing. I'm glad that like you know nobody's ever seen ever seen the work. But uh, <laughs> I started out drawing uh, Garfield as the Caped Avenger. But I was what? telling like very serious superhero <laughs> stories with Garfield, and I created all these other these other characters, these enemies and and you know allies yeah. and things like that. Uh, so that's kind of like where I started. And then I even drew like a crossover with the X Men when I started getting really getting into comics, and I was like, what am I doing? Um, but uh, my grandmother took me to meet a uh, like a, a Marvel and DC artist. I don't even remember who it was. Yeah, and I don't even remember if he was smoking, but in my mind he was smoking just because of his his like attitude. Um, yeah. But you know, I told him like I, I want to be a comic book artist, and he told me be a dentist or something. There's no money in comics. <laughs> and he was trying to like I you know like, at the time like I, I like really internalized that and took it personally. But um, but in retrospect, he was really trying to do me a favor. He
0: was like, "Kid, no." <laughs> it's like it's so real now that you're older and you're in comic books you're like man was that guy correct right yeah man that guy <laughs> oh i should have been a dentist uh, but uh you know so i i so i gave
1: up drawing um yeah. that really like kind of hit me a, and i gave up drawing oh, wow and then years later you know i still had such a love of comic books and i was really enjoying the stuff that was coming out you know claremont's x-men and yeah. uh you know like the just all the all the books that marvel was doing in the uh, in the 80s into the early nineties, you know, I was really just hyped for, and I knew that I, I, I knew that I wanted to create. So I started writing and, uh, through just persistence of going to, going to Comic-Con and, uh, you know, constantly being, you know, kind of interconnected with some of the people there. Cause that was back when Con was much smaller. You could meet editors, you could network a little bit better. You know, people took a liking to you. Um, I got a tip that Tokyo pop was hiring, which was a wow. manga company, uh, still, wow. still exists, but it was at the time it was huge. And it had a big building on Wilshire. Um, and uh i got news that they were hiring for copy editors so i applied and i I got the job and so i would go in and i would copy edit books and i started leaving notes for the editors um like you know not on the translations like you know this Uh you know i think they're trying to say this if we worded it this way it could be a little bit you know it it would be smoother uh, because some of the translations were really direct and and japanese does not necessarily translate directly to english and vice versa so uh i started giving a lot of notes and when i did that um Eventually they were like, well, do you want to write some adaptations? And so I started writing adaptations for them. Um, Some where I stuck very closely to the source material and then others where the licensor was asking me to like kind of like really pump it up. Uh, Mm -hmm. I did a uh, I did a Devil May Cry series where they were like, no, just make it more over the top. We want Dante to be this. We want him to be this sarcastic badass. He's always got a quip. Uh, you know, typical kind of like action hero. So that's what I did with it. And that time it was really well received. I think I've only ever received one complaint from a guy who yeah. was like, you didn't follow the exact translation. I was like, <laughs> I wasn't hired to. Like normally yeah. that would be my instinct right, is to stick yeah. as close to the creator intent as possible. But yeah. that's how I got started. And then from there, uh, I was working for a company called Toy Rocket. It was a uh, an online toy company. Mm. And it was, fall- it was falling apart due to various shenanigans from the owner. Um, and uh I got, I, I interviewed at boom a couple times and mm-hmm. we'd never really been able to agree on, on money. Yeah. Um, but, uh, with the company I was at falling apart and then boom had just gotten a little bit larger they, we were kind of able to meet at a, a, a place that I thought was reasonable at the time. Right. And so I went to work for them, uh, ended up shepherding their Disney licenses, you know, Pixar Muppets, uh, you know, Darkwing duck, which is what I'm most known for, yeah. uh, in the industry. And,
0: uh, yeah. And that's how, that's basically how I got in. So, did you grow up um, really having a passion around writing, or that just came about with Tokyo Pop, and then you found out, hey, I'm actually pretty good at this, and I really enjoy it? I always liked
1: it, uh, you yeah. know. Of course, I was uh, I was an '80s kid, so we, you know, we all kids from the '80s had a lot of imagination because yeah. we didn't have we didn't have very sophisticated video game, you know, at least video games, at least as far as narrative was concerned, right? Right. Uh, and so, you know, we had action figures, you know, we were running around with, with G.I. Joe and G.I. Joe, uh, you know, man, was my thing. Yep. 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 And Star Wars and, and Masters of the Universe. And, and, you know, you, I mean, you could get Chris Star and, uh, you know, <laughs> humanoids and, you know, just yep. everything that you can, you could possibly imagine. It was such a, a fertile ground for toys. So, you know, I was always out in the backyard putting together these, these scenarios and they were getting yeah. more and more comp, the storylines are getting more and more complicated <laughs> as I got older. Yeah. So, and, and honestly, I think that we've we've kind of lost that with like the current generation of uh, you know, kids that are coming up. Uh, you know, I, I say don't give them a tablet. Don't give them video games. Give them action figures and let their imagination run wild. Exactly, uh, they'll yeah. they'll be much better for it. But, um, you know, so I knew that like I liked creating stories yeah. and I'd written I'd written like some fanfic, you know, for I was in the Transformers Club for a while. And I, and, and they asked me to write a, like a regular story for their newsletter. So I was doing that. Um, I was involved in a bunch of boards on prodigy with, with friends where we would just create stories and each person would come in and take the next chapter, yeah. you know, and, <laughs> and then, cool. and then you had to like, you know, go, okay, well, how do I, you know, how do I work yeah. with this? Uh, so there was a lot of things like that. And, um, and so I knew I would like to do something creative and, uh, and I had such a love of comics, you know, it was always the dream to like, man, it'd be great to write some comics. And then, uh, you know, I threw sheer serendipity and, uh, you know, I mean, obviously I worked towards it, but I didn't really know I was working towards it, uh, yeah. you know, uh, but once I was in, I was like, oh, this is what I, this is what I want to do. I want to create stories the rest of my life.
0: That's pretty cool. Well, I know you were a big fan of Darkwing Duck and then you were able to fulfill that uh, fandom by being able to write Darkwing Duck. Is there another like 80s cartoon that is a comic book that you, that's it's like a dream of yours to be able to write one day if you were to have the chance outside I mean, of Darkwing
1: a, Duck? Yeah, there's a ton. Like um, yeah. <laughs> Sylvani,
0: Sylvani and I
1: had put in multiple times. To do uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles based off of the Arch- off, you know based off of the Archie comics universe, we'd put in multiple times for that, and then uh, eventually IDW got desperate and they did it, but they did it with somebody else, you know, yeah. which is which is a very typical story. Uh, <laughs> you know, obviously, you know, we'd put in for Transformers. You know, we would love to, to do some Transformers stories. Although I'm super excited for what uh, Daniel right. Warren Johnson might do. Yeah. Uh, he's such a talented writer, and and I love the look of, of what they're uh, they're planning. Uh yeah. so you know there's there's the big properties like that and then there's the more obscure ones like I pitched uh Inhumanoids versus Transformers at uh at, I, at IDW that never went anywhere um yeah. and uh I would really love to do cops yeah. fighting crime in a future <laughs> time that would be cool I'd love to revive that property uh yeah. yeah there's there's so many uh
0: so many things from from that era that I think that uh,
1: that I could contribute to but uh you know huh? we'll see
0: yeah that's pretty awesome man well, then from that time frame from, because uh, then after Boom, right, you went to, was it Joe Books? And that's where you got your chance to write um, Darkwing Duck? You did a a series for them, right?
1: Well, I technically wrote Darkwing Duck at Boom, but I wasn't okay. given credit for it. And that was a that gotcha. was a big, uh, that was a big, um, big kerfuffle. Yeah, uh, I could see but, that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then when, uh, and so then I went from, I went from uh, Boom to Ape Entertainment. Okay, which had that which had the DreamWorks license. And I got to work with uh, Brent Irwin, and David Hedgecock, uh, two guys who you know, I just I absolutely love, um, you know, they they treated me spectacularly. And coming off of my boom experience, it was just like night and day. Yeah, uh, you know, um, and, uh, and so we had a lot of we had a lot of fun there. But the company never really had a lot of money. Um, you know, and it was tough to get re- you know, it's always tough to get retailers to look at kids comics. So even though I think we were doing some superior work, you know, we were doing Kung Fu Panda comics, and we were, we were uh, working on a how to train your dragon that never came out. Uh, I think that, um, you know, we did some really spectacular stuff. And uh, with some great artists that I still work with today, like Aurelio Mazzara. Um, who just did some Born of Blood for me. And, uh, and I'm actually working on a project called Brotherhood of the Wolf with him and another writer. I'm, I'm overseeing editorial on that. So when we announce that and, and show up pages for that, people's minds are going to be blown. It's this, <laughs> great, this great horror story set during uh, the Crusades. Nice, um, But, uh, you know, I, so I went to Ape Entertainment, uh, did that. And then, uh, and then Joe Books rose up. And they, uh, you know, it was um, Adam Fortier was involved, who uh, had been at Boom. Mm-hmm. and so he knew james and i and uh and they wanted to reprint darkwing uh like the boom darkwing stuff uh mm-hmm. but disney i had such a good relationship with disney and they knew what had happened before they had pulled the license from boom okay. uh they said okay well you can reprint this but we you should go back to the original creators and get their scripts because their scripts were you know, they, basically like their scripts were used for this for most of the story but mm-hmm. all their dialogue was thrown out and uh we'd like them to kind of like restore their original vision of it Gotcha. And so we, we got to do that and we um, and we ended up eliminating the, the final crossover that Boom did because they, they put it out without approval. Okay. Um, and so Disney had kind of like decanonized it. Uh, but they, they asked, they said, like, is this salvageable? Can you do something with it? Because it was based on, on germs of ideas that we had and then mm-hmm. just twisted and twisted into something else. And James and I looked at it and we were like, we, we can't really redo it without a full like redraw. Yeah, and uh, and for the reprint, I mean, it wasn't in the budget, so it was like, okay, well, can you write a new ending? And and we were like, yeah. So we we took um, three or four pages and we wrote like a new ending to wrap it up and yeah. then launch into our our new series, uh, which then uh, you know I got full credit for. But yeah. it was really nice. It was vindicating because when the omnibus came out, collecting all those Boom stories. You know with the dialogue restored and and uh you know and, and james and i fixing some things like you know james got to go in and redraw some characters that he didn't have model sheets for at the time so he, you know he got to he got to do like um morgana and and magica and really kind of like do do like a, a better version of them uh in his mind and i got to like fix all the things from the story that had gotten you know gotten butchered yeah. and when it came out fans were like oh th- this is much better yeah, I mean, I like I like the last one, but this is this is much better. Yeah, so yeah. it was a, it was a vindication. It was a vindication yeah. um, of all the all the lies that had been put out there by uh, by Boom. And uh, it was really uh, you know it was really nice to uh, to see people react to you know our original intention. Yeah, and then of course yeah. we got to we got to springboard into our new series, which uh, was um, was very well received. Uh, you know, thankfully, uh, you know we always try to go in mm-hmm. with what is it the fans love about this property. Because we don't, we don't want to go in. It's kind of the way that Peter Jackson approached Lord of the Rings. What was Mm. the original intention of this? How do we, how do we expand it, but always stay true to, you know, Mm. what it is that people remember and love about it. And so I think we were really successful in that regard. Um, You know, there are a few people that complain that I didn't honor their, their ships, uh, you know, but their ships weren't part of the show.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I, I could see that. Being a little bit of a problem today with a lot of the movies that are being released right now is they they don't take that uh, that same approach to IPs, right? They they take a uh, an IP and then they just create their own story out of it that has nothing to do with the original. And I think you're seeing a lot of fans kind of reject it, and, and we're seeing that with whether it's Snow White that's uh, was supposed to come out that's not coming out, that's not Snow White, it's, it's something completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, right i mean don't you agree i don't you think that's kind of some of the issues that are happening in hollywood right now with some of the um movies that they're creating based off of old comic books or fantasies where they're not really staying true to what uh, the original authors had intended with those stories yeah absolutely i mean there's a reason you know it's it's such a weird disconnect for me yeah
1: because hollywood it looks at these properties and it goes oh You know, we we don't want we don't want to take a lot of risks. You know, how can we how can we you know mitigate the risks of releasing? You know, so we're not going to do anything new, but you know, we have this property that we that you know already has an established fan base. So let's do that because you know it's it's Mm -hmm. it's safer. But then they bring in a creator who completely violates everything that that property was about, uh, and and then they put out a product that's not recognizable to the fan base they're trying to reach, (laughs) and 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 then when new audiences don't get invested in it and yeah. it fails, then they blame the original fans and call them, you know, all kinds of names because it can't be your fault. It can't yeah. be that you dropped the ball. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, I think it's really, um, you know, the, the way that I always tend to think of these things is, mm-hmm. let's say you're a writer and you're in comics and you're like, hey, I've been pitching my, my story about Kung Fu, you know, cats.
0: Uh-huh. You know,
1: that's what I want to do. I want to do this story about Kung Fu cats. And I've been pitching it and nobody's biting. But then the company says, well, listen, we don't want to do the Kung Fu cats thing. But we, we read your script and we think that your writing ability is really strong. So we want, we want you to take a crack at like what, the Fantastic Four. Yeah. What you have to do as a writer is you have to ask yourself, well, what kind of Fantastic Four stories can I tell? Yeah. You can't go, okay, well, how can I tell my Kung Fu cat story yeah. within the confines of the... With Reed
0: Richards bend, and Storm. and
1: yeah. yeah, how can I bend <laughs> the Fantastic Four around my idea? because what you end up doing is then you end up with like a lot of these soulless Hollywood projects where it's the skin of the thing you love stuffed with a bunch of, of bullshit. Uh, (laughs) You know, so, um, you know, and, and we saw that with, uh, with Kevin Smith's masters of the universe, you know, it was, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. that story could have worked. Yeah. It could have worked with a few minor tweaks Mm -hmm. that, that would satisfy original fans. Yeah. Um, But, because it didn't have those tweaks it didn't have you know it had that, it had that kind of like ego of like we're going to yeah. do our thing uh I, I think that's ultimately why fans rejected it.
0: yeah yeah no I, I i fully agree with you aaron and, and it's one of the frustrations as a fan of some of these properties when you see them get taken on by someone who really is not a fan of the property that they are now in charge of bringing to life whether in live action or another forum Um, even a lot of times you hear in interviews they're like yeah I've never read that before (laughs) and I have no intention to because that's not the story we want to tell we're like well then that's not that's not Fantastic Four right Mm -hmm. it's something completely different then which is okay just create a movie about what you want to create and just don't call it Fantastic Four call it something different because it is different right Mm -hmm. and I'm not against
1: I mean I'm not against different interpretations of things Yeah, when
0: when they announced
1: uh, Fanforstic uh, you know where um And they had the casting controversy because, uh, you know, Michael B. Jordan was going to be playing the Human Torch, Um, you know, and people were like upset about that. And, uh, and I said that like, you know, this is kind of what bothers me about Hollywood is it's like, you know what, I would be more accepting if you just made every Fantastic Four character black and you did a black Fantastic Four movie. Mm -hmm. But of course at the time, Hollywood didn't want to do that because, you know, their research showed that, you know, black movies didn't have the broad based appeal, you know, and, until you know you got something like Black Panther that blew that narrative out of the water. Yeah. Um I just watched I just watched Nope last night. I thought it was I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um but uh you know it, I would have had more respect for that because you know you think about it, I was like, well I would have like you could cast like Ving Rames as the thing and mm-hmm. uh she would as Mr. Fantastic and uh I don't know Carrie Washington as Invisible Woman, Michael B. Jordan as the human torch and then Idris Elba as Dr. Doom and sweet. it would have just been an alternate universe kind <laughs> yeah. of fantastic four movie and yeah. that would have been way more appealing to me than just swapping out one character yeah, so it, yeah. it's it's interesting um you know i have a lot of like a lot of opinions in that area like you know when, when people say like you know oh well you know it's time for a, a black james bond yeah. and uh and then you go okay well you have to eliminate a lot of his personal history mm-hmm. uh if you do that like you know because bond is landed gentry you know so obviously his family is very important it goes back you know in in you know, the history of England. So you have to kind of eliminate that. You also yeah. have to accept the fact that if you send him on a mission to say Russia, he's going to stand oh. out. Like, you know, yeah. so there's a lot of adjustments you have to make, but if they made, you know, if they like said, Hey, Idris Elba is James Bond. Um, I think I'd kind of be fine with that. like, I don't have, a I don't have a problem with that because we've already had so many variations of James Bond. There's yeah. like every flavor, but, yeah, yeah. but I always feel like do the version that we all know and love first yeah. before you start yeah. playing with the formula.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, great point. Great point. Well, I would love to talk a little bit about Death Rage because that is by far the, my favorite comic right now. <laughs> and uh, I know you've been a big part of the writing of it. So I've been digging in, right? And I got uh, the issues that are available today. Can you kind of talk about how you got connected with Merck? Um, and what, was Death Rage the first um, Merck um, title that you wrote on, or was it Miss Meow?
1: I think it was. I think I did miss meow first because okay. it was further yeah. along. Yeah, um, yeah. But I was doing. I was going back and forth. So I was doing a miss meow issue, then I was doing a death rage issue, then a miss meow yeah. issue, then a death rage issue. Uh, so what the what happened was, um, you know, I was on uh, Comics Aficionados uh, with uh, with Wes. You know, um, yeah. on Thinking Crit, the Thinking Critical Channel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do a lot, do a lot of stuff with him, and through him, uh, he was also talking to uh, to Drew, who yeah. was uh, you know Drew from Comics Elite yep and uh and so drew would see joe corallo and i on there and as Merck was gearing up from going from kickstarters to putting books in stores mm-hmm. you know they they'd kind of made the decision of like well you know we kind of like we're shooting from the hip and maybe we need this to be a little bit more cohesive you know so yeah. we need some we need some editors so they uh they interviewed joe and i and uh, and thankfully hired both of us uh oh, you know sweet. it was funny because when they were they said when they were interviewing me they said well we also interviewed another editor uh, Joe Corallo. So we're thinking of, you know, like one of you two guys. And uh, I, I didn't know Joe well at the time, but I knew enough of his reputation. I'd read enough of his, you know, uh, I'd seen enough of him on thinking critical that yeah. I was like, oh, I don't want to I don't want to cost Joe a job. Right, and so yeah. um, so it kind of became, uh, you know, a, a uh, you know, well, I'll, I'll take these two titles and, and Joe can take this title. Yeah. And uh, and that's the way it worked out, thankfully. Um, and, and working with Joe has been great. He's just such a sharp, uh, sharp guy and, and clever and, and a great editor. But anyway, Drew had recommended us yeah and so when i came on i read through all the material and i was like okay there's definitely something here
0: yeah
1: um you know murphy was a first-time writer she kind of got like pushed into it um because it was like let's make some comic books yeah and uh and so she was uh, she was kind of thrown into the deep end yeah <laughs> and so uh and so i came in and i was like okay I, I can you know like i see where your natural talents are you obviously understand things like uh, you know usually as an editor, you have to teach a new writer things like, you know, how to end a page page turns, what your, you know, your dramatic moments are. She already had all that. Yeah. So, uh, so I was able to come in and just go, okay, well, I'm just, what I'm going to do is I'm going to rewrite the dialogue. Cause I think that, uh, you know, that is probably the thing that most people appreciate about what I do is they, they, I seem to get, you know, a lot of compliments on, on dialogue that I write, uh, For that sure. it feels natural, that it's, you know, but it's also, you know, entertaining and, and, yeah, uh, yeah. and so, uh, I was like, I'm going to redo a lot of the dialogue. I'm going to pump up some of the things that like are hinted at, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and and it was really like kind of an interesting challenge for me because I'd never, you know, although I'd done adaptations before for like Tokyo Uh pop and and things like that. um, I was never like writing additional material to go in between pages uh to uh to kind of flesh things out so it was a really interesting uh, interesting challenge and I, I absolutely ended up relishing it yeah. and there was just certain things that working with Murphy that we were able to do like I was like okay so you've got the killer teddy bears yeah. in uh, in here the little animatronic killer teddy bears yeah. um and I was like I was thinking like how do I make this scene better and I was like I, I think if they talked yeah. because at the time they didn't talk they were just little you know silent oh rumors. really <laughs> yeah in, in the original uh the original kickstarter versions and I uh-huh. said to Murphy like can we make them talk can we give them like individual little like personalities and and uh, (laughs) just to make it more make it more fun she was like yeah absolutely that'd be great and so uh so we did that and uh and so I ended up having a lot of fun I I really like gave death rage more of a tragic backstory hinted it more you know there's there's a lot of things there that Mm -hmm. we haven't gotten a chance to reveal you know there's a moment where um James Silvani came in and drew a little dream sequence for us Mm -hmm. so it was nice I got to I got to work with uh with him again on something other than Darkwing um (laughs) and uh and so the, you know the dream sequence is done very cutesy because it's like Death Rage's happy place, but it goes yeah. dark very quickly. Very and you quickly, you see like you see yeah you see like the army men melting in his hands and accusing yeah. him of getting them killed. And so there's all this backstory that we've hinted at, uh, mm-hmm. and then just getting to um, to kind of like adapt Pixel uh, into the creature that she became, yeah. and uh, and just you know all of the the different elements that we got to pull in. It was it was an absolute blast, and it's so different yes. from anything that I've ever written. Uh huh. Um, it's it's darker it's still funny i think in places but there's very funny in places yeah yeah there's some real weight and pathos that we tried to give it um especially like uh so early on i put in the flashback scene where Mm -hmm. he's talking about coming back from vietnam and getting spit on and called a baby killer yeah and that's in like the first issue Mm -hmm. and then in the later issue where pixel is pushing him to kill uh kerosene uh you know um the uh the moment where it, it like comes full circle and he says, you know, well, you know, I've never killed any, you know, I've never killed any babies and yeah. I'm not about to start today. And it's like, it's a really like kind of dramatic moment where he goes from being kind of the broken down mercenary to, you know, achieving a level of heroism. Yeah. And uh, it's was just really satisfying to write. So, uh, yeah,
0: just absolutely a blast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's such a fun character and such a fun comic book. And then as far as Miss Meow goes, do you have a preference? Because that character is pretty awesome, too. And that universe is incredible. Um, do you have a preference between the two, like a favorite, or they're just different babies?
1: They're different babies. I mean, I identify, like, I think that Death Rage has more for me to, like, grab onto. Uh-huh. Uh, Miss Meow, Miss Meow was a little less well-defined. Okay. Uh, when I came, when I came onto it, then, then mm-hmm. death rage, like I, I looked at death rage and I was like, I know exactly who this character is. I know exactly what to do with him. And with miss me out it was a little bit more of a feeling out process. Okay. I had to look at the things that, uh, you know, because Murphy threw a lot of different sci-fi elements into those, those first mm-hmm. four issues. So yeah. when I went through and I did my re-edit and my rewrite, um, I was like, okay, how do I connect all these things? What do I, uh, what do I do? So it was a lot of conversations with her about like what her intentions for the material had been, and mm-hmm. then me contributing new ideas or new wrinkles to it. Um, yeah. Working with Murphy was was a really great uh, collaborative process. I've never, um, you know, I've obviously I've worked with James Silvani. We have a great collaborative process, but. Mm-hmm. I was always the writer. He was always the artist. So, right. you know, I was doing the bulk of the writing and he was obviously doing all of the art. Yeah. <laughs> I never yeah, did a yeah. piece of the art, but <laughs> he had a lot of story ideas and things like that and jokes that would work their way in. Um, so I've been collaborative, you know, collaborative before, but I'd never worked with, uh, with somebody else's ideas and, and crafting them into, you know, into something. So that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, and I, I really took to the character of Leonidas In uh, in the Miss Meow series, and even in uh, you know he even appears in Death Rage because it is of course a a shared universe. Um, The one character that I I don't know that I had completely figured out in the series was Catfight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although um, I will say that like after the fact, we got her to a place where in the new Catfight series, I think that she's very well defined. Like we're we're going back and we're um, we're telling her some of her backstory and uh, and really fleshing her out more. Um, yeah. as uh, as her own individual character, as opposed to just the antagonist to miss Meow. Right. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, they're, they're very different. Um, I really, you know, if, if this was going to go on forever, uh, I'd love to eventually do like a Spartans team book. I'd love to show Leonidas leading oh, a sweet. team of, leading a team of Spartans and doing like an Avengers style, but yeah. in this world and in the very ways that they are different from, you know, like the Avengers, that this is different from the Marvel universe. Yeah. Uh, and obviously I'd love to do more death rage. Uh, miss meow is getting another series. Um, mm-hmm at the time I thought I was going to be writing a death rage series. So I was like, I can't write, you know, everything. So, um, I reached out, we hired uh, Pat Shand who's absolutely fantastic. And, uh, you know, I just gave him like a springboard of kind of what we wanted to do and he's taken it and he's run with it. So, uh, we're, we're two issues into production on that right now. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool stuff. So yeah, if it was to go on forever, I'd really like to build out this universe, but, um, you know, it's comics. So who knows?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you have so much experience in, in the writing side of it, Aaron, How important is that relationship between the writer and the artist, right? Because it is kind of a dance. And then within comic books, right, you're kind of limited to how much, how many words you could use to tell a story. So the art really has to do some of the storytelling as well, which means you got to have a pretty good relationship with your artist. Can you kind of talk about how you create that relationship and how important it is within the comic book writing process?
1: Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, I was really spoiled because, uh, you know, my first major book was Darkwing. Um, And I was working with James Silvani and we just, we just clicked instantly. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I'd written some things before that, uh, that had been published. Um, I'd done, uh, you know, a, uh, an original world of Warcraft story that Tokyo pop published in one of their anthologies. Um, That was a real, real learning experience because I didn't have direct access to the artist. I was turning in my work to an editor and, Mm -hmm. uh, and then he was having the artist, uh, the artist draw it. And um, so there's things that I would have asked for, that like didn't yeah. make it to the final product. There's big dramatic moments that I don't think land because the art, the artist. You know, there was obviously a language barrier as well, so um, the artist didn't quite nail like what I was going for. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was a real learning experience. So then when I worked with James, you know, we just clicked so well that yeah. I can write a very bare bones script. I don't have to put a lot of description into panels, and he will just run with it. Mm. But going back to working with somebody new, working with yeah. uh, Emilio Emiliano Ordinola on uh, on Death Rage. Um, you know, I didn't know what his capabilities were. Like, obviously I could see things that he had drawn, but I didn't know what he was going to be able to do. So I started giving him like, just really like detailed notes. And it seemed like he liked that, you know, Um, sometimes artists like that because they're like, hey, I don't want to have to guess as to what you want and then have to redraw it. So, uh, you know, I would give him really detailed descriptions. And then I got so comfortable with him that there would be action sequences where I was like, here's where it needs to start, here's where it needs to end, here's the general idea of what needs to happen in between. Yeah. and go, go nuts Do your thing. and yeah. so then so he would just draw this like the, the whole scene where um, death rage is fighting the big murder bears the ones that marla has cobbled together out of people and uh, that yeah. whole spread was yeah. just me giving him a very bare bones description and then he drew all that out and then really? i went in and i went in and put all the dialogue like wow. i knew what the opening line was <laughs> and i knew what the ending line was and then right. everything else was filled in after i saw his art and i think that's that's a really you know the marvel method yeah, uh, which in, in some cases I think really, really kicks ass because, you know, the yeah. artist can cut loose. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's a little bit different with everybody else. And then, uh, you know, on Born of Blood, you know, when we brought in, I was less involved with that one. Um, yeah, I was kind of overseeing it. You know, uh, Joe would do the edits, but I would, like, add notes um, just to keep it consistent with what we were doing in Miss Meow. Mm-hmm. And Because uh, I knew what the big reveal at the end of Miss Meow 8 was going to be. So yeah. I was like, okay, so Born of Blood has to, you know, fall in line with that. Um, and of course the helmet of Leonidas is, is part of the, uh, the born of blood series and, you know, plays into miss me out because we have a modern day Leonardo, Leonidas Leon, I almost said Leonardo, a modern day Leonidas.
0: <laughs> we talked talk about uh, Ninja Turtles a second ago. So
1: yeah. <laughs> the, where's uh, the, where, and I'm looking at toys. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that, so, you know, he wears the helmet in the present day. So, you know, we just yeah. had to have consistency there. Um, and uh, you know, it's just, it's such a blast just kind of creating this, this, connective tissue yeah. to this universe um I, you know i've never gotten a chance to like architect uh-huh. the overall you know the overall universe you know obviously the ideas the original ideas come from like jamie tyndall and, and murphy and drew you know they've all they've all laid out these um you know kind of like who these characters are and and uh, but then to come in and go like okay well we can draw a connection here we can draw a connection here we can make this happen we can do that and uh, and making it a cohesive universe um what an absolute blast yeah you know I'm, I, awesome. you know yeah it's fantastic yeah yeah
0: and now how about so we talked about the writer and artist you were mentioning getting to work with murphy and that kind of being your first time where you're working with another writer creator and you're trying to kind of get that understanding how different is that to the relationship between you and the artist and are some of the Uh, principles the same as far as how you function
1: yeah i think so i mean i think that it just comes down to a mutual respect for what you're bringing to the table um you know, and I'm, I'm very collaborative in that if the artist, you know, all of my scripts say in them,
0: yeah, this is
1: the way, because I'll give you a full panel breakdown, five panels for the page, this is what happens in each one. Mm-hmm. But I always have a caveat at the beginning of the script, which is, if you have a better idea, if you can convey this information better through mm-hmm. the art than, than I have here, do yeah. it your way and I will wrap the script around what you do. Um so I think that there's that level of collaboration and, and it works kind of the same with, with Murphy. Okay. Well, what ideas do you really have to get in here? You know, what, what things are you really passionate about? Yeah. And we'll have a discussion about like what I want to do that maybe doesn't work with what she wants to do. And then we have to, you know, find the the middle ground. How do we you know make it satisfying or one person wins, you know, it's like, yeah. Oh, your ideas, your idea is better than mine. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's a nice little back and forth. If you, if you work without ego, if yeah. you work, you know, like it, it's, you know, I, every now and then I get accused online of, of being egotistical uh, because <laughs> I, I, I tend to like I, I'll make jokes about like, yeah. you, know, you know, best in the world, you know, that, yeah, kind, yeah. Of, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, it's not I don't actually you know, I don't actually think that I know yeah. what I'm good at. Like yeah. I have a I, I think I have a I think I have a good assessment of what my talents are and I have a very uh, good assessment of what my flaws are. Yeah. So. Uh, so, you know, it's like um, I, I think that when you go into that, you go into a relationship. Uh, that's collaborative without ego and you're like, okay, well, how do we work best together? What's best for the character? Ultimately what serves the story the best, yeah. you know, when you're not thinking about, well, this is about me. I need to have my name on it. I need yeah. to talk about how I created this. I did this. I did this. This was my part. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't have any interest in that. And I don't, I don't have any interest in people who, you know, who do that. Um. So fortunately working with Murphy, working with Drew, uh, you know, who's doing born of blood. Um, he's got a, he's got a great, creator own book that he's working on right now that he was talking about called uh, Unholy Nightmare that he's mm-hmm. doing with uh, with my old collaborator, Aurelio Mazzara, yeah. so, uh, you know, and current collaborator, because we're doing Brotherhood of the Wolf as well. Nice. Um, throwing a lot of work Aurelio's way because he's so good. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, you know, just working with them, working with Joe, you know, I, I, I'm really open to, you know, because I don't, I don't know everything. I go into every situation going, you know, there's, I don't even know what I don't know. There's just, yeah. you know, and everybody has different experiences. So, you know, learning from somebody like Joe Carallo, um, you know, his experiences, what is, you know, what has he learned that I haven't, that I can now take from him. And, you know, yeah. I don't have to learn that lesson because, you know, I grabbed it, uh, I grabbed it right here. Uh, that's what I really love about collaborating. And, uh,
0: and I think that, yeah, if you work with, if you work without ego, I think it's, it's pretty easy to collaborate. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I think that's a a guiding principle in just life general, even with work situations, right? It's the same principle, man. If you could work without ego, things just seem to go a lot smoother and you work together better, I think. So yeah, couldn't agree with you more, Aaron. So as far as like the next things that Aaron is involved in, um, I know before we hit the record button, you mentioned that there was a a few uh, creator owned type. Um, properties that you're working on. Is there anything that you could kind of share with us on what you're working on right now outside of the Merck stuff, which I know you're very involved in?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm doing my first creator-owned book, uh, something that's right. been in my head for a long time and various uh, kind of um, you know, various different versions of it. But I, I, I finally like came to like, okay, this is the, this is the distilled perfect version of what I want to do. Um, I'm doing a book with uh, Renzo Rodriguez uh, and James Silvani is involved as well uh, right. called Kneel Before Doomface. And uh, it is a um, if, if it just lends itself to a lot of the things that I love about comics, but also mocking a lot of the tropes of comics <laughs> and a lot of the tropes of the industry. The, the high concept is, you know, you've got you've got two different two different stories and you go on at once. You've got Doomface, who uh-huh. is this villain who was banished in the 80s. And he's now, you know, through, you know, some fumbling of some YouTubers has been brought back into the uh, the real world. And, uh, and is set to like reclaim his, uh, his kingdom. But obviously the world is very different than it was in the 80s. So yeah. you know, it's him, him trying to navigate all that, him trying to deal with all of the villains that have risen up to take his place in the meantime, including his younger brother, uh, Lord Malignus, who is just an absolute pain in his ass. Um, <laughs> you know, he's got, uh, he's got this great sidekick that I absolutely love uh, named Lexi, uh, who's yeah. like his major domo. Um, and then you've got the heroes, which is uh, Kid Notorious and uh, Iggy the Inflatable Iguana. And they, uh, they have decided to become superheroes. And their story is, what if breaking into the superhero business was like trying to break into modern day comics with all of the nonsense that you have, you know? Yeah. but translated to like a superhero scale. So there's <laughs> going to be a lot of opportunity for comedy. Um, yeah. Sam, and Ma- Sam and Max is a huge influence on my humor. Obviously, you know, Darkwing um, and, uh, and, and, you know, shows like the
0: Venture Brothers, Archer, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be very much in that vein. Nice. That sounds awesome. And when do you yeah. think that will be, uh, ready?
1: So we're, we're finishing up some initial character designs right now. Yeah. Uh, and then Renzo's going to start working on our preview pages. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping to launch early next year nice um and uh, get the crowdfunder going hopefully uh you know everything hasn't collapsed by then that would be just my <laughs> luck you know Oh, crowdfunding you know yeah. crowdfunding in the mainstream they're all on fire everything's on fire <laughs> you know it would, would, would be just my luck yeah um, yeah but uh you know i, I I'm, I'm really passionate about this i think it's gonna yeah. be a hell of a lot of fun um i've already got like <laughs> i always jumped the gun tad stones uh creator of darkwing duck gave me some really great advice once uh mm-hmm. and uh, i use it with everything now yeah. but uh you know um i was having trouble kind of finding a new character's voice that we were going to introduce
0: mm.
1: and tad said well you know from an animation standpoint if you thought of this think of the character actor that you mm-hmm. would cast mm. and once you cast that actor in your mind it'll inform how you write the character. Oh, and it, nice. was, it was absolutely fantastic. So when we created uh, the Juggernaut for, uh, for Darkwing, who we later had to rename Natmare because Legal got nervous and didn't want to do any research. You know, um, we had to, the last minute we had to change the name and I, I absolutely hated it. He will always be the Juggernaut to me because that was the <laughs> joke. You know, nobody swats the Juggernaut. Um, <laughs> uh, when, when I was creating him, I took that advice and, uh, and I was like, okay, well, this is Joe Pesci. Uh, <laughs> and so you know, every every line from there. And we even that even led to the joke in there of, you know, showing him before he got his power where he's he's shining like this mobster's shoes. Yeah. and the mobster's a bat, because in the movie Goodfellas, yeah. the guy that says, Go get your shoe shine box is Billy yeah. Bats. Sounds oh, like yeah, that's right. You know, <laughs> yeah. So you know, and he's threatening to eat him if he doesn't do a good job. Um <laughs> that's and that's awesome. how that's how Goslin ultimately at the end, because she's um she's used Bugmaster's helmet and she's been in his mind. So Uh she knows his, she knows his history and she knows what his trigger, his triggers, you know, what buttons to push. Um, She yells at him, Hey, go get your shoe shine box. And then, you know,
0: (laughs) and then he throws an entire car at Darkwing. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome, man. What great advice though, man. That is awesome. I never even would have come up with that. That's, that's incredible. Um, I think that's going to help out a lot of people who are watching this, who are in the middle of character development and trying to create their own voices for their characters. Um, In the comic book process, the writing process or the creating process, is there a favorite part of that process? Like you know, you get the writing side, the collaboration side, you have the character development side. There's all these different parts of writing a comic or creating a comic. Is there like one that you like the most out of that process? There's a, there's a point in script writing. And and I tell this to people
1: all the time when they say like, I'm having a really bad writer's block. And, and I, and I've had that, but the way that um, the way that I've always, kind of defeated it, is I find, at least for me, writer's block is, I don't have an idea, so I haven't sat down at the keyboard and started typing. Yeah, You know, um, but if I force myself to sit down and start typing, it'll be rough at the beginning, but eventually, you know, it's like that muscle kicks in, you know, that muscle memory kicks in, and you'll start to, you know, you'll start to put something together. Even if ultimately you go back and you revise it, or you, you know, you change it, Yeah. just getting words on a page, is the uh, is the big first step, but yeah. when you hit that zone, that's my favorite part. Yeah, like well, there, you know, there there's uh, certain points in Death Rage, especially in the in the fifth and sixth issues, where I, I took over kind of um, writing completely. Um, yeah. Where I like all of a sudden I would just hit a point and I would be like, I know exactly what the next <laughs> the next thing is. Um, awesome. Because I do, I don't always I have an idea of where I need to go, and you know where I start and where I need to go, and then the middle there's more it, it's more nebulous. Yeah. Cause yeah. I can, I can change on a dime. I go, oh, this would be cool to bring this in. So that right. might alter, you know, things in the, things in the middle. Um, so when you hit that flow of like,
0: yep. Okay. I know yeah. exactly how to connect point A and point B. That's my favorite part. That's awesome. man. Uh, yeah. That I could see that. I could see that. That's pretty cool. Man, Aaron, I, I don't know. Are we missing anything that you're working on or anything that you want to share with the, the audience? Any, um, any I mean, covered? I'll just
1: talk. A, yeah. I'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, uh, obviously, you know, I'm working with a lot of people. Um, yeah. I'm working on a lot of different things. Uh, you know, I'm really excited for uh, the Catfight series to launch. Yeah. Um, I, I think that uh, especially the second issue is some of the darkest uh, stuff really? that I've ever written. I, like, I really had to tap down or like, you know, <laughs> just dig, da- dig down into like childhood trauma and, yeah. <laughs> and things, that, the, things that I experienced to kind of like come up with, uh, you know, elements of, of Catfight's backstory. Oh, wow. um, I had actually written uh, a piece for uh an uh, an actress friend of mine um for part of her reel um okay. i had written like this really this really kind of like person telling telling like their story of their childhood mm-hmm. and uh and it was just you know mir- just for her to use on her reel but i ended up incorporating a lot of that into catfights uh, backstory because it fits so well yeah, um and yeah. it really it really informed the character so that was interesting just as, like this little exercise that i did to help out a friend um, yeah. you know and, and then ended up being able to use later uh, awesome. It was, yeah. And so, um, yeah. Catfight's the next thing that's coming out. Neil before Doomface, obviously. Uh, you know, Brotherhood of the Wolf. Um, if any of you guys don't follow me on Twitter, um, you can jump over there and follow me, and uh, I'll just keep you updated on everything that uh, that I'm doing.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Aaron, man. I really enjoyed uh, meeting you and getting to talk to you. I'm a big fan. Whenever you're on Thinking Critical, I always watch that and and love uh, your content that you bring to the channel, man. You always have such an in-depth view of whatever's going on, um, and I really enjoy that. Uh, big fan of your work, specifically Death Rage, man. I'm uh, I'm hoping that uh, we'll get some more of this in the near future, but uh, man, really appreciate it, Aaron. And anytime you want to come on to talk about whatever you're working on, I mean, we'd love to have you. Thank you so much. It's it's really
1: nice of you, uh, like to have number one to have me on, you know, have me on your platform. You know, I really, uh, really appreciate that. Uh, the fact that you know you read all the Death Rage issues. Um, thank you so much. Uh, yeah. I absolutely had a blast working on that book. I think it's, I think it's, you know, I, I think it's really fun. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, you did as well, which is really gratifying to me um, yeah. <laughs> because it's it's a real hard sell. It's a hard sell to go from me having fans that read Darkwing Duck. To go, oh now I'll read this hyper violent, uh, you know, very '90s balls to the wall kind yeah. of tragic, you know, tragic kick ass character that I'm doing, and you know people um, people kind of look at Death Rage and they they tend to dismiss him kind of as as like a Deadpool clone, but uh, um, I, I think that we we really did some things too, and you know he's he's humorous, so you know yeah. I can understand that comparison to an extent. He's got he's got a mouth on him, for um, sure for sure. But I think we I think we were um what, we really did some things that established his world and his viewpoint and his character um separate from from any of those comparisons so uh you know i hope that people uh you know who are just now hearing about it will uh, will check it out because i'm uh, really proud of it
0: yeah yeah and you should be it's it's awesome man well mr aaron thank you so much i know you uh you're gonna be on quite a few podcasts today it sounds like um have a great weekend man and like i said anytime you want to come back on especially as your kickstarter um starts to take place man we would love to help push that out there
1: I I really appreciate it, Thomas. Thanks so much for yeah. for having me on. I'm glad we were able to finally like make make it happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, man. Like life's busy. To be honest, this is a hobby, right? So I get it, man. There's no pressure. I just I enjoy meeting other creators and and kind of getting into that mind. It helps me a lot. I learn a lot um, from folks like you that have a lot of experience, and it's just fun. I love. Yeah, but anytime. And the- Anytime you're ready to uh, to start
1: your own uh, you know your own comic or tell your own story, yeah. let me know. I know an editor who will take a look at it for you. All right,
0: sounds good. I appreciate. It. I'll I'll take you up on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thanks everybody, and, and thank uh, you again, Thomas, for having me. Yeah, you bet, Aaron. Thanks again, man. Appreciate. It.